You're listening to the Eddie Out Podcast. Current conversations with our community and their connections to the river. Hosted by Natalie Zollinger. Welcome. What's up, everyone? How's it going? Hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning back into another episode here of the podcast. My guest today is Scott Solly, aka Soul Gear or Mr. Gear. From river guiding to ski patrolling to leading swift water rescue courses and volunteering with search and rescue, Scott is a man of many talents. I wanted to get him on the podcast as a tribute to him and his many accomplishments both on and off the water. In this episode, we talk about Scott's childhood, how he found guiding, his path towards river rescue, and his successful business, Soul Gear, with headquarters based here in Moab, Utah. I've known Scott for about 12 years now, but never really knew his life story. It was fun to sit down with him in his beautiful house here in Moab to talk about his passions, his purpose, and his future plans. I fucking love this conversation and know you will too. And without further ado, Scott Solly. Welcome back, everyone. Today we have the pleasure to Eddie out with Scott Solly. Scott, welcome to the show. Stoked to have you here. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm pretty psyched to, to be here as well. Yeah, we are in your basement, your beautiful house here in Moab, Utah, and I'm impressed. I drove up and and saw the the garage that's bigger than the house, <laughs> and that's when you know that's you know the true a true boatman when their garage is bigger than their house. Well. Um, be careful that uh, it's it 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 will be for Ant's car. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can't be storing boats in there. No. Well, they wouldn't all fit. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you might might as well not even try. <laughs> well, it's it's beautiful up here. You have a great view of the Salles and great sunset. Um, it's evening time here, and it's just yeah, we're you you're in between a lot of. A lot of courses and a lot of chaos and so I was able to um, tag you down and, and chat for a second and well maybe more like an hour but yeah thanks for your time and for those that don't know a lot about you you are also known around town as Mr. Gear, Mr. Soul Gear and we'll talk a little bit about your your business and how that came to be but first and foremost um, if you don't mind just talk a little bit about you know, what it was like growing up, where you grew up, what your childhood was like, and how you found the river. Uh, well, I grew, I, I grew up in, in northwest Montana, a little town called Polson. And uh, for me, I was, it was interesting growing up as a, a, well, a vegetarian in western Montana in the 80s. Well, um, no way. It was very what? unique. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, at the time, maybe I didn't appreciate it, but now I do. Um, I had, uh, what I feel is a couple of hippie parents. <laughs> um, and some of my, you know, good memories now are a lot of times just backpacking in the mountains and fishing on, on those mountain lakes and, um, I think that's maybe where I got my, my outdoor drive. I was 
you know, I blame my, my parents for taking me skiing and getting me hooked on skiing at a very young age. Um, and, uh, um, you know, as far as is finding rivers and, and that sort of thing, like I, I didn't grow up rafting or anything like that. There, there was, um, very little, uh, you know, river, um, I don't know, just being around rivers in the sense of, of, of rafting really at all. And mm-hmm. it really wasn't until college, much like many river guides when they're 20 years old, need a job and don't know what to do. And they've got a summer break. And one of my, um, my mother's friends was like, Oh, well, you should be a river guide. And um, I don't know why I was just like, that sounds pretty fun. And then it was like, you should do it in Moab. And, um, I discovered Moab when I was 16 years old, a friend, uh, Zach Groves and myself, uh, went on an adventure, you know, just after you get your license. And, uh, we had, you know, this was back when you read magazines, like they had paper and everything. <laughs> Um, and we discovered this mountain biking town and we had to see this Slick Rock trail and, and we, we drove from Northwest Montana down to Moab and, and that was my first taste of it. I had never seen the desert and was very enamored with it. It was, it was just incredible. It was just very different than, you know, the I get it, beautiful mountains and mountain lakes, but this was just something different. And when someone said you could do that, I was like, I want to do that. And I think I was, yeah, I was actually, I was 19 years old and I got a job mm. as a, as a, a river guide in, in Moab, Utah. And that was kind of, I remember taking my first trip down the daily as uh, doing some training and <laughs> Uh, one of the guys uh, that was doing it with me, Colin, I remember him saying, like, dude, this is the Disney, um, you know, uh, rafting scene at Disneyland or something. It was Onion Creek Rapid. You're like, well, this is my first rapid, Onion Creek. <laughs> um, pretty amazing. And then um, two days later, um, we... I had the opportunity to, with the company to go and I got to raft down Cataract Canyon at 55,000 oh, CFS. I'd been, I hadn't been in Moab a week and, oh, uh, and, and this was like really something big. I didn't really realize how, how, you know, what I was getting to see. Um, and boom, I was hooked. Mm. What company was this for? Tag along oh. expeditions. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember, you know, I applied with every river company in town, just like I think anyone who wants a job should do, every one of them. And I, I flunked out of every river company in town and Tagalong hired me and I was like, I'm in. That was great. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't realize that. And what, so that was in, you were 19, what year was that? Uh, it was the this, this spring of 1995. 95. Like old school style. I guess. I, I don't feel like that's that old school, but 
maybe it is. It's it's tough when I I'm working with these uh, kids out there that you know, like they're only twenty, and that was I was I guess boating before they were born. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that is old school. Well, but it's also like people that are twenty don't seem like people like you when you were twenty back then. It just seems like you had to be a little bit more. Uh, not responsible, but just you had to. I think we're less adaptable. responsible. Well, not responsible. What about like adaptable, or, or would you say you were just like them? <laughs> I wouldn't say I was just like them. It was just a much different scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the uh, the internet changed a lot of things, and I was just in a course yesterday, and and I was telling these river guides like. You know, you, you have a much bigger responsibility. And I think guides today have a much bigger responsibility because anything you do anymore is instantly recorded and can be out on social media sometimes before you even get home. Mm-hmm. And we never had that. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they represent the company much different today than we did then. And... And I think because of that, we could get away with a lot. I mean, we were rafting before really anyone had cell phones and instant communication. The internet was like something, I don't even know if I really browsed the internet in 1995. You know, (laughs) email, I don't even know if I had an email account for another five years. Um, and then I was like asking someone, how do you do this stuff? But, uh, you know, and I think because of that, um, there's a, a higher standard of today's river guides than there was then. That being said, we had a much different responsibility in, um, in, in making sure that, you know, if anything went wrong or you forgot anything, you're on your own. Mm. And there's definitely <laughs> been many a trips i Myself or someone on the trip forgot something, and you know what? You, you really learn to make do, and and uh, and in a way that maybe people in this day and age don't understand because they can they can make that satellite call and, and get something fixed um, in a way that we couldn't. Yeah, so you had to be adaptable. Uh, yeah, I, we always. At Tagalong, it was like, yeah, we've been doing so much with so little for so long (laughs) that we could do anything with nothing (laughs) forever. Oh, my God. I fucking love that. So much with so little for so long. We could do nothing. We could do anything. Oh, anything. With with, nothing. With nothing. Forever. Forever. (laughs) I love that so much. Was that a Tagalong line? Who fucking came up with that? I don't know. <laughs> That's is that the the Soul Gear <laughs> tackle or uh, tackle? It's definitely not a Soul Gear thing because we have everything. Right, fair enough. <laughs> We've been doing everything with everything for so long, forever. <laughs> that is so cool. So who who owned Tagalong? Because a lot of people maybe listening in don't know a lot about the companies here in Moab, and it was definitely one of the the old school. Well, they've been around for a while, right? They have been. Um, they were not, I don't think they were the first company, but they were kind of one of the first um, 
generations of, of companies. Bob Jones mm-hmm. uh, owned that company, I think, with somebody else that we never saw. Um, and and there's there was at that time and you know there were there was a few companies that were like that, and we're starting to see a, a transition of those first generation companies that are starting to either turn over or go away. Mm. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the nature of the business. I think we see that not just here, but, but really, I, I think we see that around the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how long did you work for tag? I only worked there two years. Oh, really? Oh shit. And then where'd you go? Um, from there, uh, I, I spent a, um, a fall down in Terlingua, Texas. Oh, no way. Okay. And, um, man, I learned so much working there. You know, uh, my first couple of years at Tagalong, we were blessed with um, some really big water. Mm-hmm. Uh, 95 was, was a huge, huge year. And... I kept wondering why all these older river guides would bitch about the daily. And I mean, there was boats flipping every day. It was, I don't know what the numbers were, but I don't remember seeing whites even be a rapid um, (laughs) until the end of the year when it finally dropped down to 15,000. You know, I don't even know if we're going to see it hit that much this year. Mm. Um, And, and then I, I, you know, you, you go down to the Rio Grande and it's this trickle of a stream. Yeah. Uh Um, a lot different and uh, you go from rowing big boats and just kind of avoiding some big things to trying to figure out where the current is <laughs> in water that doesn't appear to even be moving and and I've always thought that you know doing that sort of thing really makes a complete guide when you can you know it's running the big water it's running the the little water, it's running the steep water, the cold water, the clear water, the dark, you know, cloudy, mm-hmm. muddy, or silty, whatever. Um, you got to do it all to get the whole experience. And you, know, you will find a, a version of river guides that find themselves kind of eddied out <laughs> in the same <laughs> in the same place for for their whole career. And, and they'll get to know that river very intimately and, and they'll be very, very skilled at where everything's at and where the, the great hikes are and all the history and things like that. But I don't think they're the complete boater um, that uh, someone who, who travels around and runs lots of rivers in all sorts of places, um, you know, someone who can run a river in Spanish or uh you know wherever you know whether it's tibet or patagonia or up in canada um there's a lot to be said about that even here in the u.s this going out east very different than being out here in in the desert west Mm -hmm. yeah and so you were in trilingua for how long just one fall oh no way oh shit okay and then I felt fortunate though because you know just like in the in the 95 season here we had this huge water year. Oh, I mean, really? Cat peaked <laughs> out and had 89,000. Oh my god. Um and then when I went to Terlingua, 
you know, here they measure it in CFS mm -hmm. and, you know, in different regions measure rivers differently down there. It was, it was on a gauge height. And so, you know, typical at that time, I think was like around two feet. Um, and even nowadays, I don't even know if it's around a foot. I mean, I don't even know if they're running that Canyon if, cause I don't think there's enough water in the river. I think they're canoeing upstream from the takeout. Whoa. Um, and it, and that year, um, I got to, um, see that section at 13 feet. I mean, Whoa. there was some rapids in there that, that were like a true class four rapid, um, it was amazing. A stretch, you know, it was like 23 miles. We'd do it in one day. And you just cranked on the oars all day long. That was the thing. You keep it in the current. You only rest when you're in places where there's more current than no current. Um, and you race for the canyon where you can eat lunch in the shade. And then you, <laughs> you work your way, you know, through. There was, you know, you get out of your boats and pull the pull the rafts in between rocks um, because they, they barely fit. Um, and then all of a sudden you get to see those rapids, boulder gardens really, that you're weaving around boulders all of a sudden covered up with water. Mm. And it was like a, a full on whitewater experience. You're sitting on your oars floating to the canyon instead of just stroking hard. Um, and, you know, a lot of other things have changed too because it's on the border, the Rio Grande. Um, when I was working there, we would a lot of times camp in Mexico, mm. which is not, from what I understand, I've not been there in a long time, but in talking with people that do work there, you can't, that's not really not a thing anymore. Interesting. Um, it's just a different, different world. Um, that section? was a lot of fun. What section was that? Um, well, we ran a couple different sections. Um, the section I ran the most was the Santa Elena Canyon. Okay. And if you haven't been there, it's. It's an incredible place. Is the canyon walls at, at one point? I, I want to say they extend fifteen hundred feet from the river's edge to the top vertical. Cool. You are in this gorge. It's it's really really spectacular. Mm -hmm. I, I look forward to going back at some point. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes for but, folks. You know, you asked where from there, and it was like it. You know, and it's like kind of like. You, you meet people in one place that take you to another. And it was there that I met people who, you know, they were there in the winter time and in the summertime, they went to Alaska mm. and they, um, you know, you, so now all of a sudden you got a contact, right. And you're like, Hey, and you apply. Um, and yeah, get a, uh, get a job working in Alaska, it's like, wow, that seems, you know, very, that's very different than Trilingua. <laughs> totally, uh, yeah. And that was a whole new experience. Um, it was still big water. I mean, running 18 foot rafts that you're rowing, uh, we paddled them too. I, I mean, it's kind of interesting to paddle raft an 18 foot raft, but we did it. Um, and, you know, guiding on water that can kill you if you're not dressed for it. Mm. Um, and I guess like nowadays I feel like, like you say old school, this was kind of before anyone really was putting people in dry suits. Oh, really? So we, hmm. we did not put people in dry suits when I worked there. Um, 
that's a whole process when I go back and visit to see to see the boot and suit is oh. what we called it. You know, that was the thing. You can either go to the put in and and get the boats ready, or you can go to the office and boot and suit. Boot and suit. And <laughs> back that. then, yeah, we put people in wow. rain gear mm-hmm. and um, ditch boots, and then we put a survival suit over them, which is like a big Mustang kind of floaty snowmobile suit type of thing. And then over the top of that is a Type Five Whitewater. You know, America's Cup PFD, and they can barely walk once they get all that stuff on, and then they hop on the raft, and we take them through what I think are are pretty good rapids. I mean, a lot of Class 3, and then, you know, at the right water levels, it's Class 4, it's fast, and we do a bunch of them in a day. I mean, there's five launches a day, the last one being at like 6.30 at night. All right. And you're still back in the daylight. Yeah, uh, even though it's nine o'clock, it's yeah. still daylight. It was that was that was a lot of fun, and you you pack on a lot of river miles when you can run, you know, three, four, eleven mile trips in a day, mm-hmm. um, and, and that was a lot of fun. I'm hearing like good money too. Three you know, I felt like away. yeah, yeah. I I feel like we were still underpaid, but <laughs> totally. uh, it was better money than working around here. The the tips were were not bad because you you could you had three sometimes four opportunities to to make a tip, and so maybe you have that that boat that, that no one no one wants to give you any extra money, and then you the next two you you, you do okay. Sometimes it's just someone hands you a hundred dollar bill and you're like, where did that, that was more than your trip. (laughs) And, um, yeah, that was, it was, it was good. You, you work so much, you, you couldn't spend your money anywhere other than the liquor store on the way home. Totally. Um, and (laughs) you work so much, you couldn't, you didn't have time really to travel anywhere. Mm. So, uh, you were just working the whole time, which, which was fine. What's a season like that? Or what's the season up in Alaska like? Like, is it, when does it start? When does it end? What's it like? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I put in a a couple full seasons. I only worked there full time for two seasons. Mm. And, um, it would start in generally in May and we'd literally be there. Um, sometimes when the river was still frozen and waiting for what we called breakup. Once it, once the river broke, we were out there like mm-hmm. that next day. And we would, um, you know, that could be the first week of May or it could be the third week of May. Um, you just never know. Uh, and then we're out there rafting in the ice chunks and you run all the way, you know, into September. And, and you know, in September, you're, you're kind of the fringe crew. There's a lot of people have left. Um, and that was, that was always a really special time. You're, you're seeing the, the tundra burn red and the, all the golden leaves of the aspens. And, mm. you know, it, like, it, I think most places that are heavily, uh, you know, overrun by tourists, um, in the, the shoulder seasons, there's less of them and you see more wildlife. So it was like, those were the times to to see the wolves and the caribou and the bears and lots of eagles and, and things like that. That was the only place I've ever seen a wild cat. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, cool. You know, you don't get to see those, 
that meant you know that much and so to to sneak up on a wildcat a lynx was um a lynx, you know, just even. one day you know yeah and that's the only time i've i guess i've seen a bobcat once now that i think about it but that wasn't on the river um that's special so, yeah it was it was pretty darn cool yeah i got so like from a lot of the alaska crew you guys all talk about the wads yeah well Doesn't it I think, actually stand for something um I I don't know if it stands for something because I always um, equated it with how they walk. Oh, they're like because when I was working there, they were in these suits. Um, they you you give them you give them this rain gear that they put on, and it's like this yeah. yellow. Is it like Kelly stuff? Yeah, it's okay. like something you see on a fishing boat, <laughs> and then you hand them this like snowmobile suit that's soaking wet. <laughs> Because it's been on the river probably twice that day. Yeah. And they're like, well, this is wet. And you go, well, that's what the rain gear's for. And so they put the rain gear on. They put this suit on with the boots and then the, the PFD. And, and they're like waddling. Um, Waddle. Uh, it, they can't walk. And they're just wadded up in this stuff. And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Everyone who's worked up there is like, oh, yeah, you got these wads as in customers, right? But they waddle and. I just think it's a funny way to, to say customer. I, the wads. I, I still catch myself saying it. Oh, do you? Yes. Oh, shit. Be <laughs> like, what? You're like, no, never mind. Clients, guests, yes. Um, <laughs> Special people. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's the other thing that, that's changed a lot is, um, mm. you know, guides these days, they've got to be a lot more politically correct than we ever were 20... She's 25 years ago. I have here 26 um, for you. And, and, and that's not a bad thing. Um, teaching classes, I find myself that, that you know, I've had to, to really evolve with, with how I talk. Um, and and it, again, it's like you can always be recorded. Mm -hmm. You know, now you like just right have now? to assume that you're being recorded. Mm -hmm. Just like I am now. <laughs> Whoa, uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was, um, you're, you're always on camera and, and, you know, go, I hate GoPros hmm. when clients hero. or wads have GoPros. It, it, it really, it's mm -hmm. frustrating because, you know, I get it. They want to record this exciting thing and relive it. They're also going to record anything that you do that, that might um, be held against you in a court of law. Mm. You don't know what that's going to be yeah. uh, until the accident happens. And if it does happen, well, it's all on camera. Right. The other thing is they generally turn around and look at you right as you're entering big drop two to ask you if the red light is on after you've asked them to paddle. Oh. It's really frustrating. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say, uh, have you ever flipped? Like they turn around and ask if you've ever flipped as you're dropping into the biggest rapid of the trip. <laughs> yeah. I, never an I never answer that one until the trip's over. <laughs> totally. Fair enough. <laughs> so you said 20 years swift water. When, so just kind of going back to Alaska, um, where did Swiftwater come into play for you? It, well, been... that was in Alaska. Oh, really? That same yeah. year? In 2000 or 2001? Or, uh, yeah. In 1997. Oh, in 97? In Trilingua? 
No, because that was true lingual. It was the fall of 96 and my second year. Oh, okay. And then I moved up to Alaska that next spring in 97. Gotcha. And I think then, I um, okay. You're up there. Oh. It's, it, it was incredible. Like, I, I moved up there and it, you weren't, you didn't just need your first aid and CPR. You had to take this class. And, you know, it was at, at least the, the outfitter that I worked for and, and many of the other outfitters too, I think were on the same page. Um, they would pay for your class and then take it out of your check. I, I wish they would have just paid for the class. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause it wasn't, you know, uh, cheap. It's, only gotten more expensive, but I got to take this class and um, I I really learned a lot. And in my, you know, this is only my third year river guide, and I was like, how did I survive two years of I'm not knowing a lot of this stuff? And mm. and uh, I I was just intrigued by it. I was kind of into climbing at that point, and 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 I like the rope work, which. It was kind of, you know, that was a big part of the Swiftwater world then. Um, and I got hooked on it. Uh, the next year I went back, I took an advanced course uh, from this guy, um, Tim Callahan with the rescue company. And, and I told him, I was like, man, I, I want to do this. Um, actually, what I said was I said, I think you should teach this class in Moab. And he says, you. and you know, he says, well, if you set it up, I'll, I'll fly down and teach it. No way. Cool. So, um, and that was, so in 1999, I set up a class through Sherry Griffith and I said, Hey, I, I got a full class for you. Wow. Um, and so he flew down and he says, all right, we're going to. We're going to make you an instructor or however that went. And, and that was kind of my, I started doing that. And I pretty much did that every year um, for, for many years. Up in Alaska or down in um, Well, we did one here. And then um, I think we did one the next year too. Uh, but then I would travel to Alaska and I would, I would help him with, with a lot of classes. And he was kind of my uh, mentor to um, the guy taught me how to teach a class. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just learning the techniques. You got to learn how to teach. And he was, he was really good at that. And I felt I was a, a good compliment to what he was doing. Uh, he was more of the kind of the fire service, side sort of thing. And I brought, I think the river guiding perspective to it. And between the two of us, we would, we taught a lot of classes and it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot. And, um, yeah, those were, those were fun times. Is this for re rescue company? The rescue okay. company was, cool. uh, and there's, they still operate there yeah. and we still stay in touch. I talked to him the other night. Cool. Well, your whole demeanor changed. You had like a big smile on your face. And it, to me, it, it seems as though this really hits home to you. Like him, the, the memories of those courses, yeah. the feelings you have. Like what is it that just like, what's a really strong memory? Something that, that changed you or you learned from, from Tim? I don't know if it was any one thing. It was just so much fun. Um, 
I don't remember making much money doing it, but <laughs> learning a lot. Um, and, you know, I think the first year I went up there, it was like, it was overwhelming. These were big classes. And so I was like, Tim, you know, we need some help. I want to bring uh, a good a good friend of mine up and, and we'll, we'll all do this together. And um, Jay Healy uh, called him up. I'm like, dude, you got to come up and do this stuff. And, um, and so, you know, flying up to Alaska, uh, driving up sometimes and, mm. and we traveled all over Alaska teaching these classes. And generally where you go to teach a class, there's a river and we would run it. And, um, and we met a lot of people and, um, and met actually ran into people we knew from other walks of life, like the <laughs> ski industry. Mm. Um, and, and learned a lot and had a lot of fun and didn't at, at least didn't lose money. Yeah. <laughs> well, but you got a lot of experience and I was just going to ask like what parts of Alaska, but you kind of answered that with just all over. And then you started to bring it down here, at least to Moab, right? Yeah. You know, I did it for a number of years and at some point I was just like, Hey, when, when do you think I'd be ready to do this on my own? Wow. And, uh, like through rescue company or your own It business? was through the rescue company. And, and at that point we were kind of working under rescue three international. And, and then I, I kind of broke away from the rescue company and started teaching on my own. I, I, I don't remember exactly when that happened, but uh, definitely I remember a, a class uh, in Chickaloon. Um, you know, I had, I kind of, this was back when like PowerPoints were a new thing. Oh, and uh, <laughs> you know, definitely relied on that a, a fair bit. And then there was a fire and it burned out the, the power poles or something. The power went out. So there's no PowerPoint. And so then I was able to kind of leave the class though for the whole day. Um, and not rely on my, my, uh, the teaching tools I kind of leaned on for a while. And after that, I, I kind of felt like I got that blessing. I definitely remember that day quite a bit. Mm. And <laughs> I started just setting up classes on my own and I definitely, I, I brought it down to Moab. Um, for what I was doing, I was working through Canyon Voyages and uh, I would kind of utilize their permit. And it was small in the beginning. It was, I think the first class, there might have been six people. Um, <laughs> it's a lot though. And it wasn't it's much. It's hard to teach a class with just six people. Mm, okay. um, but it got bigger every year. And just this year, you know, working with another co-instructor now because I can't do it myself. Um, I mean, I just finished up four open classes in Moab. Every one of them was um, sold out with a wait list. And I'm kind of going, do I need to open up another one? I mean, that's how much it's changed in 15 years from, I want to say like, I think 2005 might have been the first year I started kind of coming down to Moab to, to do those classes. And, and, to see what it is now, it's, it's just, it's a whole different thing and because now I think the river companies here want their guides to have that training. It's becoming more of an industry standard. It's not required by any entity, but, um, 
a good outfitter will want a well-trained guide. And, and I always looked at it like this is, when I started, I was like, this is your one thing that will set you above these other guys. Because <laughs> thinking back to all those companies that didn't hire me, um, maybe if I'd have had that, one of them would have hired me. Um, and I, in the end, I'm thankful that Tagalong chose uh, to take a chance. I think I was their last hire, too. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like you care just based off of your own life experience that you want guides to know that as well. And I'm, I'm curious if you, through the um, 99 to now, did you also guide or did you start to pull away from guiding and just mostly do classes? Yeah, I, I pulled away from guiding a lot. Um, it was... Uh, it was two really close friends of mine, Paulie and Alex Borshevsky. Oh, those names sound familiar. You might, you might, <laughs> you might remember them. So, Al, uh, for just the listeners, Alex is my partner. Paulie's his brother. Good friends of yours. Um, I, you know, Paulie, for whatever reason, I mean, Paulie, we like had worked in in a lot of the same for the same companies, actually. Hmm. Um, but at different times and a lot of our friends just assumed we knew one another. I remember meeting, um, both of them on a really rainy, cold <laughs> Westwater, like three day, four day trip, something like that. And, uh, and, and that, that started like a, you know, a, a, a close friendship that it, uh, continued and continues. And, uh, I think it was 2010, those guys just like, I don't know, like kidnapped me and they're like, you got to come and run baggage for oars. Mm. And um, had a great trip. That was a lot of, a lot of fun. I mean, I had been I, private boating throughout that whole time. And, um, and then after that 2010 trip, um, they convinced me then to come back in 2011, which was a pretty, a year that saw a lot of water in Cataract Canyon. I was going to say, those were some big, big <laughs> cat runs for you, wasn't it? Yeah. Or weren't and, they for oars, um, right? Yes. Uh, did a, a, a handful of trips for oars. Um, big fucking water. Some of the biggest <laughs> runs I've done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that when Lars... Uh, flip the dory. I wasn't on that trip, too, but that year? That, it was that year. And Seth flipped, and too. Seth flipped okay. it as well. So Lars is our good friend. He now manages um, Grand Canyon Oars, and then Seth is a good friend as well. He manages Oars Moab. So I'll put those guys in the show links so you guys can click on them and, and check them out. And uh, Lars is also my co instructor. Oh! Oh, that's right. He, is he here? Uh, no, we we, we did three classes in 10 days oh, shit. Um, this this spring. But um, so Lars and I work, work together um, and uh, have, have got a great uh, connection in that world. But yeah, that, um, that 2011 season was mm. was huge and it really brought me back to Moab and Right, because you're living in Salt Lake, right? I was living in, <laughs> I like to describe it as this town just outside of Alta, because I was ski patrolling at Alta, That's right. <laughs> and I, I really, I love that, um, it's still one of the greatest jobs I, I think I ever got to, to do, 
Um, ski but yeah, ski okay. patrolling. Um, I mean, come on, uh, powder skiing and working with explosives and, uh, <laughs> it, that was, that was a lot of fun, but, um, like kind of like river guiding, you don't, you don't make a lot of money mm. and that was definitely a struggle. And uh, I had the opportunity to, um, I got offered a job to manage a river company in Moab and, uh, after my, my good friends, Paul and Alex had moved down here, uh, and they're telling me, Oh, you got to get down here. And, and so that, that really, that did it. Um, and that was CV, right? Canyon I managed voyages. Canyon voyages, uh, as their place. operations, their manager kind of making sure all these daily guides could, I don't know, get their trips done and back and be on schedule and all, and you know, do everything. It was, it was a lot of long, long days. And I did that for four years. And, um, and then I, I, I really decided that I, I, uh, I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And I had been, you know, keeping soul gear on life support for those four years. <laughs> totally. I mean, running this business, this sewing business out of a bedroom of a rental in Moab <laughs> for four years. And before that in the basement of a friend's house and was like, you know what, we're going to go for it. Uh, rented a storefront and uh, it's, man, it's hopping today. Yeah. This is a really good segue. So you own soul gear and just like, I mean, your last name is Sole. But like, where did Soul Gear? Who coined it? Was that you? It was um, not me. Um, don't tell me it was a Borshevsky. It was not okay. a Borshevsky. <laughs> this was um, actually goes back to the Alta days. I mean, I had um, you know the the segue into it is it was it really ties into skiing. Uh, I was working for a company in Salt Lake called Vole. Mm. And they had, uh, they did manufacturing and they had some sewing machines as part of their manufacturing. That's where I, um, this guy, Mark kind of taught me how to sew. I bought one of their old sewing machines. I had it in this, uh, apartment up in Alta that I was managing. And, uh, on my off time, I, I was sewing throw bags because I thought it would tie into my river rescue thing. And then I'm like, I need some grocery bags because I got to haul groceries all the way up to Alta. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, I could make a duffel bag. That's kind of how it started. And then we were all hanging around, uh, up at Alta one night, you know, maybe at the tram club or something. I don't even remember. And we're, I was like, well, we're going to, we're going to make a business. I need a name. And it was, uh, a friend of mine, Sarah Hartsock, uh, you know, we're going around all these names. She just says soul gear because so many people mispronounce my last name. Mm. It's Solly, um, S O L L E, but they see it in, in say soul a, a lot of the time. Yeah. So I was like, well, we can go with that, you know, that linguistic, but, um, we'll just soul like the sun, I, I guess is, is kind of how that, that spelling came to be. And, and so there, yeah, that was the, the, the name and that's been the brand ever since. And, um, I wish I would have trademarked it a long time ago. Oh, really? Someone fucking got in there. Yeah. We had a, um, 
two years ago, I think, we had a lawsuit. Um, we had to sue a, a Chinese company mm. who was selling product on Amazon called Soul Gear. Mm. And we were getting complaints from Amazon customers. We don't sell on Amazon, uh, Everyone, for the record. Listen. <laughs> uh, and so I was getting Amazon customers calling us up. And uh, sometimes I'd pick up the phone and they'd just start laying into me. Wow. And. I let them go and then I just have to tell them and then they wouldn't believe me. Yeah. Um, and so we, yeah, we, um, had to go through that whole thing and, and it cost a lot of money, uh, and got a trademark in the end and, and got them to cease and desist to, to, you know, doing that. And I haven't really had any, uh, Amazon complaints. <laughs> oh, <since>. good. <laughs> well, Soul Gear, I mean, it's infamous here in Moab and down the Green Canyon, really like a lot of, boatmen all over the, the u.s world um but i mean as far as you said equipment it's kind of started as throwbacks more convenient equipment for you and then when did you i mean your friend sarah hartstock hartstock she coined the name for yeah sure. she coined the name what year was that um well it would have been in 2000 okay um i registered the business in 2001 maybe i've been kind of tinkering for at least a year i remember you know, Jay, Jay and I were renting a, uh, in a, a rental in Salt Lake. <laughs> he was a lifty up at Alta. And, you know, I was, I was working at Volet and yeah, it was a lot of late nights just like dreaming up designs and things. Mm. And, uh, um, it was a lot of it was the fabric I had found at Volet. They, they were, they used to make these windsurfing like gear bags and it was this great fabric and I still use it today. The, the same manufacturer and everything. And, um, yeah, so we became a business in 2001 and, and it, it was a lot of slow growth for a long time. And, and we've seen a lot of growth in the last <laughs> five years. It's, mm -hmm. it's not the same thing. I, you know, it, it went from literally me working after hours and, you know, basement of my friend's house in South Salt Lake to, um, yeah, I got employees and I got to pay rent. You, the soul sisters? The soul girl, uh, the soul girls. The soul girls. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and, and really they're the, um, the, the, anymore they're, they're the people that really make it happen. Yeah. Um, shout out to Abby. Abby um, brought us a long way. She doesn't work, oh, she doesn't work there with us oh, really okay. anymore. Um, Who do you have right you now? You know, a little, little bit here and there maybe. Um, she's a busy woman, um, but she definitely... She's a new um, mom. She's mm -hmm. a new mom, and uh, she definitely uh, did a lot to, to get us where we're at. And, and right now, uh, I've got these uh, two, uh, you know, kayaking uh, women that... <laughs> um, that love the industry, cool. uh, Tanya and Sherry, and and those two really allow me to do what I get to do, which is go and teach some classes and not be in the shop and know that everything is just awesome. Yeah. Um, and and they run the show. Yeah. So I couldn't do it without really good people, and and that's uh, unfortunate. Yeah. Well, shout out to Tanya and Sherry. Ladies, <laughs> run the show so Scott and I can have an interview. <laughs> um, but as far as like 
over the years since 2001, so it's been 20 years. Congratulations, that's awesome. Is there a piece of equipment that you're just like, well, bam, like that's, that's soul gear you're really proud of? Yeah, um, honestly, it's like, um, it's nothing that really makes me a lot of money. Mm. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's been the common thing. Nothing, you, all the careers you've done don't make you money. <laughs> um, but you do it because you're passionate about it. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the, the uh, you know, the one piece that, that I really like, yeah, you know, and not many people buy them, and, and that's fine. I, I didn't make them in the beginning <laughs> for other people anyway. I, I needed one myself. Oh, yeah. I'm so curious. It's uh, a product called the Rescue Tarp. Okay, talk and talk and, about it. And um, it, you know, when you have a bunch of rescue gear, there's hardware, there's webbing, pressix, there's carabiners, right? There's uh, pulleys and collection plates and friction devices. It's a pile of gear, and um, I, I want it to be organized. It's my, uh, my perfectionist sort of thing. And the other thing was when you teach classes, if you're not organized, you, you end up losing some of that gear mm. and it's really frustrating. Um, uh, cause it's just basically money that's, you know, mm. someone's walked away with or whatever and not a big deal, but it was definitely like, what can I do? And when you're on the side of a river, um, you know, there's this idea, oh, we'll lay out a, a, a tarp. Like, you think of your just typical tarp, and you put your gear on that. It keeps it out of the sand, and, you know, and, and generally when there's a gear cache, people tend to bring gear back to it. Um, all I did was stitch some pockets and some connector points and things like that. Um, and... Uh, I store my gear in that. So it <laughs> unfolds like a burrito and I love it because it, it really saves my gear. And, you know, another thing that I, I get to do is, um, and it's been so fun these last couple of years. Um, you know, I've been, I've done years of training in swift water and avalanche rescue. I've done a ton of rope rescue courses and I finally like actually get to use it. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I volunteer for Grand County Search and Rescue. And, um, you know, they came to me at one point, the, the, the naughty, the uh, kind of the, the lead in the technical rope rescue uh, division of, of Grand County SAR. Um, he's like, oh, we need some of these tarps. And, I get awesome. to I get to use those when we go on calls, and we we do go on a a number of of calls that are technical rope calls. I mean, there's a lot of climbers, base jumpers, um, you know, people that you know get hurt, and it takes a rope system to get them down safely. I love it. I get to fold out this tarp that I I got to create, and it's like the perfect thing. I I just so. Does it make me much money? No, I really like it. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah. Well, shout out to rescue tarps. I guess so. <laughs> 
Well, I'm seeing this like common thing, search and rescue, swift water and ski patrol. I mean, you, would you say you like thrive in that, um, in that environment of, I don't even know what to describe it as. Um, yeah, I, I, I know what you're asking and, and I do. And yeah, the environment and, and how, is, why? The, the environment <laughs> is, um, you're sometimes working in stressful situations. Stressful extreme, yeah. And when you work in stressful environments, um, it's it's a different kind of adrenaline. Mm. Um, I was I was very very close to becoming a uh, before I moved to Moab, um, working in the uh, emergency medicine mm. in the ER department. Um, at that time, I was in a uh, an intermediate EMT. I've been an EMT at that point for like, I don't know, seven or eight years done, you know, a fair bit of work at the ski resorts, helping people, you know, definitely some ski patrollers are there to powder ski and, and, um, and don't like to go to the medical calls. Mm -hmm. They're great at their jobs with, with many other things. They will go to them hands down there's definitely a the type of there's kind of two mentalities there's those that when they hear a call come they're on it they want to go and those that'll just wait maybe and see if anyone else is available um i was definitely <laughs> one of those that wanted to go um you know anytime i could and i i definitely enjoyed that adrenaline mm. um you know dealing with with people who were i've got i got during that time, I got to see about any injury you can imagine or any sort yeah. of illness. Yeah. Um, not everyone, but a lot. Uh, I don't know. Broken bones, legs on backwards, broken necks, heart attacks, strokes. Um, I don't know. Just a whole bunch of it. And I really enjoyed trying to help those people. And, uh, I don't know. I, I was very close to going into nursing and, mm. and, and kind of like taking my life in that direction. Who knows where soul gear would have ended <laughs> up, um, or teaching rescue and things like that. Um, and, uh, instead, um, I, I ended up, I, I got a hernia and couldn't lift patients. Mm. and was unable to take a job at the hospital. And then a few months later was offered a job in Moab as a manager in a river company. I don't know. Sometimes things in life are just so, I don't know. There's a a fork in the road and you could have gone two different ways and ended up in very different places. And I'm so glad, uh, that my life is, has ended up here, um, yeah, in this house. In this house, in this looking <laughs> at these views, enjoying all these friends here in Moab, and and and, and totally enjoying what I uh, get to do: mm-hmm. search and rescue, teaching rescue classes, creating product. That's Soul Gear is like such a. I really enjoy the creativity part of it. You know, being able to be like, how do you make that? And then figure it out. It's problem solving. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What do you attribute like your calm and the chaos to? Um, was it just a curiosity from a young age or? 
I don't know. Something, some chemical cocktail that works for you and you're drinking. I can't, I can't describe it. Yeah, um, but like the more stressful, it's like the more calm you the are. The more stressful it gets, the more I focus on just the job I need to do. Yeah. And, and I really, um, I guess, thrive on that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not easy. And I'll make, I, I made mistakes. Um, you know, I always, with so many things I do, and I think it's this perfectionist thing, I look back and I can be pretty hard on myself with things I should have done better. Um, but through that, I, I think I, I learned to become better in the end and, 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 and correct, uh, learn from my, my own mistakes. <laughs> even they might not even be that big, yeah. you know, it's just little things. Well, they could probably feel pretty big to you. Um, is there, has there been like a common theme or like a um, compliment growing up and, and once you started teaching um, safety and swift water and ski patrol that was a common thread through all the careers that you've had as a strength that you knew or didn't know? Like, wow, so where you're really this. I don't know. I think, I think I started teaching and, and felt like I was pretty good at it. Mm. And I don't know where educator. that came from, mm -hmm. um, but I recognize that, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just, I'm comfortable talking in front of groups of people. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I don't know. Like uh, a, like a, like a grandparent or, or, or a sibling or a I don't know. The, the meta, I think the medicine um came from my mother um mm, in what way well she was a nurse she worked oh. in the er she became a <laughs> okay uh you know mm -hmm. someone i'm really proud of mm -hmm. uh she was a, a nurse practitioner and i think that the medical stuff i i always wanted to to try to fulfill that in some way and mm -hmm. and um the the teaching maybe that's my father, um, he was a, a martial arts instructor. Uh, he was a, uh, you know, he had a teaching degree. Um, and, and, and I don't know, maybe that the, there's the, some sort I don't of, know. It seems pretty clear to me. Some sort of mesh there. <laughs> um, two people, bingo, I, bingo. <laughs> two people I, I admire immensely. So yeah. shout out to mom and dad. Oh, shout out to ma ma Madre Solgir y Padre Solgir. <laughs> That's awesome. Speaking of like mentors or people that have affected you, is there anyone else? I've heard Borshevsky Brothers. Um, I've heard, uh, you know, even just um, Tim. Yeah, Tim, Tim, Tim Callahan Tim of Callahan, the Rescue Company. I mean, yeah, even Jay. Um, so the yeah, Jay Healy, you know, he... Uh, um, Mark he's put from down LA. more. He's put down more river miles <laughs> than I could probably ever try to even come close to, and um, you know, I really admire what he's able to do in so many disciplines. I mean, mm -hmm. between the the motor boats, the dories, the paddle boats, the oar boats, um, the Moab jet, the Moab jet. <laughs> Yeah. Um, he hasn't gotten on a fucking paddleboard yet. So <laughs> a ton of skill. A <laughs> ton of skill. Alex, yeah. very similar, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, other mentors. Um, I, I put uh, Sherry Tingey. I was going to say any women. 
yes. Sherry Tingy. Sherry she... Tingy. Uh, she um, created a little company called Alpaca Raft. No way. Yeah. Wow, yeah. she was a mentor to you. In what way? Well, come on. She's a, a design guru and, mm. you know, in, the, in building outdoor product. Mm. And That's really cool. She, you know, I, I got to uh, meet her. She took one of my courses. I Back in the day, I um, I got to, I, I feel like I'm, I'm one of the founders of the pack rafting rescue course. It's totally evolved in the last oh what is it i don't know 15 years uh 13 14 15 years something like that and uh, she got to take one of my courses and i got to just talk to her and, mm-hmm. and you know here and where she's come from and, and how her product came about and what she's doing now i you go to, and look at their operation and that goes and it's just it's pretty cool. Uh, so from a, a design standpoint, I, I admire that she gets to do the creativity stuff <laughs> and, and pass it on to somebody. Um, you know, there's uh, the people that I admire um, in the ski industry that have, have, have helped me come along, like Gus Gilman, the director of uh, the Ski Patrol at Alta. I mean, just... Uh, really a, a great guy to to get to work for mm-hmm. um and uh um and titus case um you know kind of he was the the snow safety uh director at, at alta as well and um you know you talk about a stressful job and 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 just seeing that guy work uh his work ethic was second to none. You talk about pretty much going a whole ski season without a day off mm. and the stress of making sure there's, you know, that, that, that the ski resort is safe. High regards to, to that individual. And then not only that, but the people that those guys have turned it down to, um, you know, Matt Leary, director of ski patrol. Now, uh, Dave Richards, um, Pete Groves and Jonathan Morgan running the snow safety department. People I, I, I worked with and um, got to do uh, a lot of amazing stuff working there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I mean, even, uh, you know, working... I brought some of those guys down to Moab <laughs> yeah. to help clean up avalanches here in the Little South. Oh, right. Um, and, and that was uh, um, learning times. Uh, <laughs> definitely some some moments that'll that'll live with me for the rest of my life. Hmm. Um, you know, besides my parents, um, let's see. Uh, Chuck Spaulding, um, Nova River Runners. Uh, he he passed away this spring, and mm. gosh, just like a, a river outfitter, one of the greatest. Um, such a huge influence in the river rescue world. Um, I think the guy invented the Supernova Coquitat dry suit. Oh no um, way! Oh. The, the neoprene neck gasket thing. Oh. 
um, because putting people in dry, yeah. yeah, putting people in dry suits. Yeah, you know the latex gasket. It, you know, it was one of these things. But uh, gosh, just the happiest outfitter I've ever met. And if you've <laughs> met a lot of outfitter owners. They're not all super happy. No, crusty. Uh, they sure can be. Crusty um, bread. You know, uh, you know, thinking back to, to river guiding when I was first learning, you know, someone like, uh, there was two women that, um, that really influenced me. And they were two very different women. Uh, Annie Tuller, um, she worked at, at Tagalong and she was this... Uh, I don't know how to small frame um, woman who could maneuver a boat with with grace. Hmm. And then there was Big Linda. <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> her first name is Big, so I'm assuming she's she was kind a, of <laughs> she was a <laughs> large woman, size. only woman I've ever seen <laughs> be able to pick up an 18 foot Havasu bear hug it and walk it across oh the yard, set it down. Uh, I mean. <laughs> That woman, oh the stories you could get out of her were just incredible. So to spend a couple seasons working with her, um, awesome. you know, uh, I mean, she, she was one of those gals working for Sidewinder and mm. in the eighties, yep. um, running cat at 110,000 in an ore boat. Damn. That's really cool. I'm going yeah. to link to her in the show notes if I can yeah. find her. Um, that's really cool. Mike Dehoff. Oh, I mean, look talk, <laughs> talk about a guy that, yep. I mean, just a guy with a ton of integrity and heart in the industry. Mm -hmm. And he's following his dream with Eddie Line Welding. He's doing the Returning Rapids project, you know, a big supporter of the Colorado, uh, Colorado Plateau River Guides. CPRG, yeah. CPRG. Um, and I mean, you guys have a logo together. We. <laughs> We were yes, we uh, <laughs> yin and yang. The yin and yang. Uh, he's the hard goods. I'm the soft goods, and <laughs> <That's awesome>. um, <laughs> great guy. That's really uh, cool. He, I mean, definitely was. He kind of nudged me a bit, like you should open a storefront. That's cool. And rent it from me. Yeah, right. Give me money. <laughs> Keep me going. <laughs> I well, think there's more that I'm missing, and I if, well, that's if I a missed lot. your name, um, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Shout out to you, yeah. Um, well, uh, just just to kind of like tie it all together, you're now working for Swiftwater Safety Institute, and I think we mentioned Riley before, but um, another mentor. Yeah, Riley. I mean, honey, honey bear. The honey bear. <laughs> I was on that trip. <laughs> it all came to be, and uh, I've known Riley for since 2005, and. He was also a river guide for oars, and he started Swiftwater Safety Institute. And for those that have kind of followed along my episodes, his um, ex-partner, but still a good friend, is Nadia Kimmel, and she started Desert Mountain Medicine, and you can look for that episode. And she's been a huge mentor for me, and uh, Riley's been a good, just good friend overall. And I'm just curious, like, how's that going, working with him, and what have you, like, what are you excited about? Man, it's been the, it's been Wonderful. What working, what year did you guys start real quick? Working Sorry, for interject. Swiftwater Safety Institute. I well, I met Riley in twenty eleven okay. when I was down here doing these oars trips. Oh. And I had just finished up working for Rescue Three. We kinda had to 
split our ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was an interesting meetup. Uh, yeah, uh, at a friend's house and um, a lot of friends were like, oh, you need to know this guy. And a lot of friends telling him, oh, you need to know this guy. And and then both of us were like, is this the guy I'm supposed to meet? Kind of one of those. <laughs> you things. were looking down on him, though. <laughs> yeah. um, and in the end, like, I, I think uh, it was probably the next week I was like, hey, I've I've got these people calling me to teach classes and I ain't teaching classes. You, why don't you teach them? Mm. And cause we had talked that, I think that, that, that night or that next day, a lot about philosophy. And I felt like a real connection, um, uh, on, on what we should be teaching. And, um, it wasn't, but a couple of years later that we did a, a couple classes together and then I, kind of just started working for him. Um, and it's, it's grown a lot, um, in what we do. I, you know, we, uh, we work together on a lot of the really fun courses, you know, working to, to teach our, our special forces rescue Mm. and and to teach, you know, these, you know, well-funded SAR operations and some not so well-funded, all over um and 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 really just uh you know learning from him um and hopefully he's picking up a thing or two i don't know (laughs) um and uh you know the the latest thing has been uh us really getting into sport boat um or a rescue boat operator um you know you we've been running rivers for 20 years and then all of a sudden put a motor on the back of your raft and try to go upstream and talk about a whole different video game. Like (laughs) it is, it, it, um, it's a new skill and there's a lot of people in the country that need that skill because they're responding to hurricane relief they're not they're not river runners they're they're people that are hopping in these boats and and going to do anything they can to save people so we're trying to to train some of them we have hooked up with a company out of seattle uh, called impact northwest and uh, we got to respond to hurricane laura last year um it was a bittersweet thing like there was no flooding. There was just a ton of wind damage. We went down with boats. Sorry, uh, I wanted to do some some motor boating. <laughs> we didn't get to do that, but we got to help what I think is a lot of people out mm-hmm. and do some volunteer work because we were there anyway and really got to see the chaos of, of what goes on in a hurricane without the flood. We'll be a lot more prepared. I don't think the hurricanes are gonna stop really anytime soon. So, um, we're in a way looking forward to going and doing it again, because we think we can have a positive effect, um, you know, for, for this team, this team is a bunch of doctors and paramedics and nurses and USAR firefighters, um, that deploy worldwide. And 
we get to be their swift water techs. And so if there's a hurricane that's going to have some flooding, um, I think you'll see us there. And, and we're pretty fired up about that. Uh, starting on Monday, we've got um, a five-day instructor development course. Talk about some fun. You get 20 instructors together that enjoy swift water rescue. Um, and what do we do? We get out and we practice. We try to become better. We're, Riley is making sure that his instructors are doing a good program and, and knowing what they're doing, what he wants them to be doing. That was something I didn't see with other companies. Um, we're not a, we're a worldwide company, SSI, but not, um, you know, so big that we can't manage our team. Mm. Um, and I really respect that um, from him in, in being able to, to keep it tight in that sense and have that control because I think there's a lot of opportunity to just make a lot of instructors and train a lot of people and take those student fees. And he's chosen not to do that. And I, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it'll, it's something I, I really admire, I guess. So, yeah, uh, pretty fired up. We, uh, we'll be out in, uh, Minnesota, um, <laughs> in a month teaching <clears throat> St. Louis County search and rescue <laughs> cool. a couple of classes. I had no idea Minnesota had so much white water. Really? There is a ton of white Shout water. Shout out to Minnesota. In Minnesota. <laughs> um, and there's, you know, what is it, 10,000 lakes? Yeah. And, well, turns out there's rivers in between all like those 20, lakes. Like 20,000 rivers. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. That's I, so I cool. had no idea. There's a, a whole different Aww. community of, of river runners out there. Yeah, that's so cool. What's your position at SSI? I am an instructor trainer. So okay. I help to develop instructors yeah, you train to, to become instructors. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I just teach classes. So um, didn't get to teach too many last year. Mm. Uh, there was a little bit of a flu going around that kind of shut us down. Just a um, couldn't <laughs> gather in groups. And uh, um, the the enthusiasm this year has been unpredictable. Um, mm. Where it's interesting started this wanting to train river guides and um this last three classes uh or the last three open classes uh i think over half of this, the clientele was uh recreational rafters private boaters that simply want to get some education and knowledge before they take their families out on the river or go out with their friends, which is, is really, it's awesome. Um, much like backcountry skiers, just wanting to get into a, an avalanche awareness class. Um, there's no credential they need. They just want knowledge. And, uh, I've seen it grow probably over the last 10 years, but, um, this last year mate was a huge jump. And I think it's just a lot of people wanting to break out of their quarantine <laughs> lives and get out and experience the river and hopefully in a, in a safer way. Yeah. They're thirsty. 
for sure. What advice do you have for people that are listening that are like super stoked on your life that you've lived and they want to be not only an instructor for SSI, but train other instructors? What advice do you have for them? What are things they should consider right now? And what are things that they should um, kind of waver if they think they want to do it, but then it's like, oh, actually, maybe you don't. Like some, some tough love. Well, first, I'd say if anyone's really interested in it, they should pick up every book out there on the subject and mm. read it. Okay. Um, you know, shout out to Charles uh, Walbridge, Slim Ray, Les Bechtel, um, you know, people who are still around uh, it, that really influenced me through reading that stuff. Um, uh, Nate Austis, even. He's oh, yeah. A, I did a, a, I did a course book. with him. Yeah, he's, he's got Shout a great... Shout out to Nate. I'll put him in the show notes. Show notes. Uh, he's <laughs> done a great book. Um, read up on the subject. Um, I think the, the biggest thing is you got to be, you got to be really humble. Um, mm. You're going to, you know, maybe you're going to assist in a class. That's generally how it starts. You're helping someone out. And you know what? The students are going to be pretty hard on you. And you, you, you should be able to take that criticism and not be defensive and try to understand maybe what they're saying. Maybe they're, maybe they don't say it right, but maybe figure out what they're trying to say and look at what you can do to improve yourself. A lot of it's just really simple stuff. Don't say, um, so many times, not to have all these little things in between sentences that connect it all. Um, it's hard. <laughs> you, they, and they can be, students can be hard on it. Sometimes there's just nothing you can do. It's like, I get a lot of feedback that says, oh, we, we want more time to do this or that. And it's like, well, Okay, the class was pretty much full from start to finish. What do you want us to cut out? Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I get it. They're just fired up. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the mannerisms, you know, like, hey, more gender inclusive. I get it. We're in that society and I'm, I'm working hard at doing it. I can be better at it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still, I still catch myself. Uh, you know, Lars was pointing out some stuff in this last class. Like, dude, that's. It's not PC to say that anymore. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you were saying okay. powwow, right? Like I said powwow, and it's like, you know, yeah. I grew up on a reservation. It was not an uncommon term. Mm -hmm. um, but that's probably not the right thing to say, and I get it. So uh, there's a lot of other words we can use. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, so being humble and, and just know that you're going you're gonna to mess up. Um, Swiftwater is, is, I think, a really difficult discipline to teach. Um, I'd say rope rescue is a lot easier. Mm. Rope rescue, you got a cliff. You go there. It's the same cliff. You got the same anchors. Um, Swiftwater is very dynamic. You might show up at a, in, in some place, and the water level's fluctuating. You know, it was like working on the Grand Canyon. Like I had never even thought about it. Like, oh, we should do foot entrapment in the morning 
when the water's low because mm. by three o'clock in the afternoon, it's, you know, they've ramped up the release <laughs> of the dam. Um, you know, just little things. Uh, yeah, water levels change. Um, yeah. and, and that's that, that's challenging. It's tough to just roll into a, a town that you've never even been in, look at a river and be like, where can we work? Um, it takes time. There's just, I think it's like anything in, in life. If you want to be good at it, you got to do it. You got to pay your dues and you got to do it a lot. It takes a lot of practice. Um, I don't even, I don't even know how many courses I taught before I thought I could teach one on my own. Um, I don't know, 30. Wow. Um, just a lot. And you, you mess up, you, you get caught. Hopefully you have an assistant there that you can fall back on from time to time, uh, you know, to, to fill in those, those dead spots where you have a, a you know, a little brain cramp. <laughs> yeah. So like being humble, if you're going to fail, fail fast, being adaptive, being patient, um, persistent. And, uh, I think it's okay not to know. Yeah. It's okay not to know. Practice. Practice, but don't like being present. Don't try to be. Don't try and think that that what that you're the the total expert. Mm. That's huge because there's a lot of really experienced people out there taking these classes that and and they might have they might be able to part onto you some really cool knowledge. It's so dynamic; you can't know it all, um, and. If you're up there trying to be like the know-it-all, I get it. You're trying to you're trying to give people information, but let them know that you're there to receive some information too. Mm. And 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 be, you know, I'm still taking, I'm still learning stuff like in these classes. Um, like even like two classes ago, someone showed me something. And I was like, God, I've never even thought of it. That's cool. Yeah, so you're listening. Still learning. Two-way street. <laughs> Still learning. <laughs> well, as we kind of come to a close, um, what's on the horizon line for you, both per personally and professionally, as you move forward? I'd like to think retirement. Oh, yeah? All um, right. Well, speaking of retirement, your birthday is April 14th. How young are you going to turn, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I think I'll be 30. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so um, I'll be I'll be forty six. Okay. Um, Congrats. And yeah, we're uh, um, we're all and my uh, uh, wonderful wife and I are already talking. Like um, we want to go live on the ocean, mm. and so. Uh, we're, we're kind of trying to figure out how we can do that. And I, I don't think it's unrealistic that it could be in the next five, 10 years. And um, the sport boats we run on the river, maybe we just go run them on the ocean. <laughs> um, I like that. <laughs> it's a little different environment, but I'm drawn to the ocean and, and the beach time. So mm, You've earned it. Yeah. That's the, that's, that's the long term here. And just for those that are uh, just the first time we're kind of talking about Anne, um, what is, uh, what's something you want the world to know about her? 
She's your better half, other uh, half. For sure. <laughs> for sure the better half. Um, uh, one thing. I, or just, you know, what yeah, is just, to stand out? Um, I, I think that the biggest thing is, is uh, the, the partnership. Mm. And to be able to... Um, pick one another up and help one another um, has been probably one of the greatest things. So to, to, to go through life with, with somebody that uh, is your partner is, is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and because of, I, I, because I feel like I have that, I, I feel fortunate and, and I love that. Mm, I see that. Yeah. Your big smile on your face. <laughs> What's something new you've learned about yourself since um, being with Anne? Um, something new that I've learned about myself. <laughs> um, That's a, that I need more beach time. More beach time. Heard. <laughs> She's a fan of the, the ocean, the sun. Yeah. Sun you know, her. one thing that um, I know you've given me some uh some kind of notes ahead of time like hey so i'm not surprised and i appreciate that and one thing you didn't ask is um your favorite river hmm. and and that's a question or your favorite rap and things like that and i think that's a question you know that i would get a lot as a guide hmm. um you know uh I, I don't think i really have a particular river but um the uh the answer i would generally give to that is 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 not in context of where you are, but who you're with. Mm. And uh, most of my really favorite river trips are when uh, when it's just Anne and I Aww. out there on the river, just the two of us. <laughs> um, I can easily, you know, remember my most favorite. So um, it's 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 context. It's it's not where it's it's the company you're you're keeping. That's really cool. I appreciate that. As we kind of come to the the close here, is there anything you want to share with the audience? Anything um, you want to draw attention to? Anything you're really excited about? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, I'd say um, water in the West is... Uh, is something to, to look at and um, climate change, um, you know, whether you think it's man-made or not is affecting these rivers and, um, uh, you know, um, I wondered in the beginning how long Lake Powell would be there. Um, and I just say, watch, that reservoir i i don't know what's going to happen it's going to be interesting um but uh water in the west in general Mm. um it's very river related and uh that would be a kind of that um i don't know that that topic that i would like to draw attention to um and i don't know how it's going to work out it's there's a, there's a lot of politics there and um it'll be interesting yeah i can see it like it's heavy 
heavy when you speak about it and energetically. I mean, all of us guides were river lovers now, and you don't want to speak too soon, right? So you just kind of watch and wait. Yeah, do your yeah. part. Well, um, for those that want to find you on the internet, um, follow you, do a trip with you, where would you like to be seen these days online? Um, well, my storefront is, is just soulgear.com. Um, I have social media pages, <laughs> Soul Gear and, and, and Twitter, uh, or Facebook, uh, and Twitter and, and Instagram, but I, I, I don't do a lot with those. I, um, I gotta be honest. Um, you know, they, I think you want to find me just, it's really like drop an email, um, and and maybe that'll change, but that's the way it is right now. Well, that's fine. That's how it is for you. And people will understand and respect that. Well, thanks. Thanks, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Last question is just what is the biggest lesson you've learned from the river, um, personally or professionally? And I, I, I kind of feel like life is like a river. Mm. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you're just kind of floating down through life and, and you know, looking around and, and everything's happy. Uh, sometimes you, you hit a beautiful beach and lay over for a while. <laughs> sometimes you just aren't paying attention and don't care and you eddy out and swirl around. Uh, and then other times you, um, you've got decisions to make, are you going to go right or left of that rock? Mm. And, uh, sometimes you're like, Oh, I want to run that big hole. And sometimes it works out. And sometimes <laughs> you're taking a big swim. <laughs> um, and in the end, hopefully, uh, you're able to, you know, however it turned out, maybe you got to write your boat back over, hop up on it. And continue on rowing down and, and find the next really nice camp to, to lay over at. <laughs> to lay over at. I like that. From layover to layover from Scott Sully. <laughs> well, I'd like to just take a second to acknowledge you. Um, I didn't know a lot about your, your past, and it's been really cool to see this common thread of, um, I would say you, you, you said it a lot, but you didn't. It, it wasn't about the money. And it seems as though your whole life isn't necessary. I mean, you work hard and and karma will come your way. And I've seen that, you know, with, with good relationships and um, support for your business. But you care a lot about um, people and, and education. And I really see the passion there. And you lit up when you started talking about rescue. And a lot, not a lot of people can handle that kind of stress. And I think it's really cool that not only you handle it, but you thrive in it. And... Um, I just appreciate you, appreciate the time and letting me come into your house and it was, it's been cool getting to know you that I met you in 2009, uh, fall of 2009 when I started dating Alex and I know we haven't like been super close but I've always 
honored you and, and I've always like really looked up to up to you in the sense of like trying to balance life uh, relationships and, and business and I think you've done the best job you can and and you've seen success all across the board and it's just yeah it's been cool to get to know you so thanks thank thanks you Natalie yeah Soul Gear and I'll make sure all the, the links are in the show notes and thanks for your time and cheers to Clean Runs Downstream <laughs> cheers cheers cool Well, that's our show. Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation with Scott Solly. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, make sure and share this link with someone you think would benefit from it too. And while you're on social, make sure and tag at Eddie Out Podcast and at Soul Gear so we can follow along with you and your adventures. And a quick reminder to subscribe to Eddie Out on social as well as giving us that five-star rating and review. I'm very grateful for you taking the time to listen in with me today. Until next time, big hits, big fun, good health, and high water. Cheers. <laughs>